This is Reimagine Law, a podcast about legal education and careers to help students navigate their career choices. Welcome to the Reimagine Law podcast series, where we seek to both inform and inspire you about the range and breadth of careers in the legal sector, as well as dispel some of the myths. We do this by enabling you to hear from people who work in this exciting and important industry. So for today's podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome two guest speakers. We have Bruce Humphrey, he's the award leader at BPP, heading up all aspects of BPP's university legal apprenticeship program from enrollment through to graduation. He's been in this role since BPP started running this program back in September, 2016. And we're also joined by Claire Grant. Claire is the commercial director for legal apprenticeships who heads up the business development and client relationship management for legal apprenticeships and the wider BPP portfolio. She introduced legal apprenticeships into the law school in 2015 and has since sat on the senior leadership team in the law school until November 2021, when she moved into a new role in the apprenticeship school to manage and promote legal apprenticeships. So what two great examples as to the breadth of careers you can have within the legal sector. I'm delighted that Kerry Jarrod, one of the team behind the Reimagine Law podcast, will be speaking with Bruce and Claire today. So Kerry, over to you. Thanks, Simon, and, and welcome, Bruce and Claire. Really great to have you on the podcast today. Um, I wonder, actually, if we could just start with a really simple question. Um, you know, take it back to basics. What exactly is an apprenticeship? Bruce, maybe you could uh, start us off. Sure, Kerry, happy to, to talk about it. So in, in simple terms, uh, an apprenticeship is a job combined with a programme of study, and that programme of study together with the job is designed to help you achieve the, the apprenticeship standard. So it's a centrally published apprenticeship standard for, for legal apprenticeships, the paralegal apprenticeship and the solicitor apprenticeship. And then there's a programme of study that's delivered by uh, a training provider uh, and uh, an employer in tandem to get someone ready to, to qualify via that route. Oh, great. Thank you very much. And, and I mean, obviously, apprenticeships are a, a fairly broad term. You mentioned some there. Um, but within the legal sector context, it's not just uh, legal apprenticeships that, that um, people could consider, are they? No, no. So the, the sort of the core I guess apprenticeships that perhaps uh, take place in the, the legal sector are, are the paralegal apprenticeship and the solicitor apprenticeship. Um, but there are a wide range of other apprenticeships as well that are suitable for, for legal employers. And this is something sort of Claire is particularly involved in. Thanks, Bruce. Yes. Um, so um, I think that when you're thinking about an apprenticeship, um, You've, and you're thinking about a law firm, you have to remember that a law firm is, is simply a business. So they don't just employ lawyers. So whilst the vast majority of their employees will be paralegals, solicitors, partners, etc., they also increasingly are looking at digital and IT specialists as we move into an IT world. Most law firms have a finance team and there's a whole range of finance apprenticeships across the whole range of accountancy qualifications. Um, so, so those are the two really key ones. But then even at a more junior level, they'll employ business administrators. They'll have big HR uh, departments um, and increasingly when there's project work they uh, require project managers to manage those um, as well as, as the partnership 
grows and as people progress through partnership to partnership rather and um, they usually uh, law firms usually offer coaching and leadership and management skills as well so there's a vast array of apprenticeships that are out there that are suitable for law firms and also in the context of um, thinking about law firms of course there are other types of um, organizations so lots of large companies have in-house legal teams and they want to train uh, lawyers and we've actually seen this year that um, Barristers Chambers has taken on one of the paralegal uh, apprenticeship programs that we offer so so it's spreading really across different sectors now um, and I think the, the common denominator for an apprenticeship really is that there's always um, an end point assessment um, and exams are set by um, external assessing bodies so what happens in the workplace is that you will um, have to produce a portfolio um, of work um, evidencing um, that you have done certain activities to match the skills and behaviours in the apprenticeship standard. Um, so apprenticeships have a common way, a common approach to the way that you're assessed. Um, and law firms, as I say, are increasingly looking across the whole range of apprenticeships that there are. It's very, very broad now. Um, so, so becoming very popular with law firms. Yeah, which, which is great, isn't it? And I think it just opens up so many more opportunities. And I know that we've in previous podcasts um, covered uh, alternative uh, apprenticeships that, that people could uh, look at as well. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's not just assuming that you need to be a lawyer necessarily, or even you need to stay in the law even what you, once you're qualified. And like you say, you know, as you rise up the ranks, the, those leadership and management apprenticeships really come into their fore and it's such a great yep. structure um, to, to follow from a development perspective um, and it's really about applying um, the learning in the job isn't it Bruce? Absolutely that's that's the key to an apprenticeship all the the training all the learning that you're doing should be about making you a more effective employee in the the workplace and and even when you're dealing with just one apprenticeship standard so let's take the solicitor apprenticeship standard as an example it's it's a level seven apprenticeship standard so it's it's aimed to to take you up to, to the level of being a, a post graduate but within that standard it can encompass this wide range of employers from smaller law firms medium-sized law firms large international law firms through to to in-house organizations local authorities even voluntary law centers have have people training this way now um, and you can come in it through sort of different length programs and, and different routes. So there is one version of the solicitor apprenticeship that's really suitable for school leavers, someone who's never studied any law before and needs to start right from the, the very beginning. And naturally that's a, the longer version of the program that you need to do. So that's it's usually five to six years for the school leaver version. But there's also a version for, for graduates as well. So maybe you've completed the, the first part of your training. So you've been to university, you've, you've done a law degree, you've got a certain amount of knowledge under your belt, but there's still other aspects, the practical aspects you need to develop. And you can learn those on a programme study coupled with putting those into practice in the workplace too. And that's, that's typically around sort of 30 months for, for that kind of programme. So even just within the one apprenticeship standard, there are different, different flavours and, and different lengths of programme to suit different types of individual. And even if you're a graduate and you've done something other than law, there's usually a, a stepping stone that allows you to, to move on to one of these graduate apprenticeships. So apprenticeships are not just about school leavers, they're for all sorts of different people. 
Absolutely. And I mean, I think career changes as well. I mean, people that are thinking about and coming into the legal sector later on in life, um, you know, it, it doesn't preclude them either, does it? No, not at all. Um, I mean, just that kind of links in with, I suppose, um, thinking about diversity, really, um, because apprenticeships have really provided an opportunity for school leavers who may not be able to go to university or don't want to go to university. And, it, and they allow that person to gain an equivalent qualification as a graduate. Um, and as Bruce has already said, they are they can be for people who are already who've already been working for a period of time, who haven't had a qualification, but it allows them to progress within their firm uh, by studying and working at the same time. So they are very flexible and they do increase diversity, which is really key for um, law firms now and other employers as well. And many of those law firms that I've worked with have used the apprenticeship routes to really engage with local communities, local schools and colleges to, to, to provide real opportunities for school leavers to increase diversity within their firms as well. Um, so, it, so it's really, really engaging now with uh, the wider population. Yeah, and it's, it's great to hear that. And I know, you know, obviously the SRA is a, is the regulation, regulating authority that's really, really keen to um, enhance diversity within the legal profession. Um, but law firms themselves are, are working very hard, I think, on, on, on that agenda as well. And so apprenticeships are becoming a real key part of their talent um, strategy, you know, their, 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 their talent pipeline into, the, into their businesses. Um, so it, it, it's great to see that so many more law firms and, and also, like you say, other organisations looking at um, careers in law within their organisations are, are, are offering these opportunities across the board. Um, and we, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, apprenticeships with, within law firms and obviously, you know, in-house counsel. Um, Bruce, I wonder whether you can just um, let us know, you know, is it is it old fashioned to think that um, apprenticeships us, us has still got a bit of a you know negative perception or a second class citizen sort of perception to them within within the legal profession or is that is that all kind of you know old old hat now i think i'd have given you a different answer if you'd have asked me that question um two or three years ago i think they were very much viewed with uncertainty and law firms and partners in law firms didn't know quite what to expect of a, an apprentice i think the their, their perception at that point would be this this individual would feel very junior they need a, a huge amount of support to be no way equivalent to, to having someone in the business who's perhaps come through the the training contract and training contract route to become a, a trainee solicitor but I think we've had a, a few years now of the apprenticeship program being up and running um, and uh, the people who are changing the perception of apprenticeships are those apprentices in the workplace so for, for people who've perhaps been on a six-year solicitor apprenticeship journey the feedback we're, we're getting from employers is by the time they're, they're three or four years into this six-year program they are often doing the work of a newly qualified solicitor sometimes they've got a case load equivalent to, to someone who's a, who's a couple of years uh, of post qualification experience simply because they've been embedded in the the business for so long they they know the processes they know the the documentation inside out and so the the law firms and the other employers are starting to see the value that can be added 
by having someone come through the apprenticeship route. And there's been some, some great stories that I've heard from employers where they, they started off and partners have been initially a little bit reluctant and, and perhaps there's been one person in the, the organisation who's been a keen supporter, the apprenticeship route, they've had to do an internal persuasion piece. And then all of a sudden these apprentices go off, they do a brilliant job, they're very committed. Um, and uh, that, that turns a few heads. And then the next year, there's a few more apprentices being recruited by those sorts of organizations. So it's really been gaining momentum. And I think now in, in terms of the, uh, the competitive nature of the, the application process, it's seen as at least the equivalent to, to going down the traditional route. And because of the benefits in terms of the fact you're, you're earning whilst you're, you're learning as well, I think actually it could become almost the, the golden ticket for, for some potential applicants. Yeah, absolutely. And certainly with law firms that we work with, I mean, they they are working hard to ensure that there's parity across um, those different pathways in, um, you know, even looking at the recruitment processes that they, they put in place um, for apprentices versus the training contracts in a traditional sense that will become obviously the, the, the SQE QWE route um, and, and ensuring that internally they they um, you know aren't aren't giving anyone an easy ride. You know it, it's 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 you have to be able to prove yourself at that recruitment stage as well. And and like you say, the proof is in the pudding once they've um, started to really add value within the business. Um, Claire, did, did you have anything to add in terms of your experience, what you've seen, um, you know, in terms of how employers are now viewing apprentices? Yeah, I very much echo what what Bruce has said. Actually, there was a time I think when apprenticeships were focused on lower level qualifications so the old frameworks of which are which are more or less going now into the new standards and um, they they were aimed generally at lower level um uh, uh, qualifications but obviously now with the new standards that the level range isn't just sort of level two level three so level two being a sort of post GCSE sort of standard they now as Bruce has already said go up to level seven which is a master's level qualification and certainly for a um, solicit the solicitor program of course the solicitors regulation authority has um, basically decided that because the LPC is it going to be ending and all future solicitors, whether you come in through the graduate route um, or whether you come through an apprenticeship programme, you all take the same endpoint assessment, uh, which is the SQE1 and SQE2. So law firms can pretty much guarantee that the people they take, whether they're a graduate or whether they're an apprentice, actually end up at the same point because the SQE assessments assess you at the point of entry into the profession. So what firms are doing now is they're really beginning to balance up how many apprentices they take with how many graduates they take. And I think we'll see that shift over a period of time. And, and, and some of that's largely to do with the funding, I think, because um, the larger firms um, are paying a levy to the government. So where the wage bill is over three million pounds they're paying a, a tax in effect to the government and um they are they're able to dip into that fund um in order to pay for the training costs um with the provider so uh, there's an advantage for those firms in actually um utilizing 
the levy pot that they've actually paid into. And even for the smaller firms as well who don't pay the levy, they still have the opportunity to use part of that funding and only have to make a fairly small contribution themselves towards the funding that goes to the training provider. So, so it, it, it's becoming more of a level playing field, as it were, in so far as a student is concerned. So I suppose the main difference for students now is that when they're doing their A-levels and they're thinking, am I going to go to university or do I want to go to university? They have to think quite early on, you know, do I want to go down an apprenticeship route? Because a lot of apprenticeships wrap a degree or a master's programme within the apprenticeship programme. So there's a real choice for students now to decide what's the route I'm going to go down. And there's also a real cho choice for law firms in deciding, do I, do I want how many graduates or do I want to take graduates? And, and or do I want to take apprentices and firms differ some some firms still are only taking graduates but I think I think over time we'll really see that change and I do agree with Bruce that the commentary that comes back to us from law firms is that opinion is really changing about the the, the level of student that that goes on an apprenticeship route the level is really high so you know attitudes are changing And that that's that's great. I mean, I think the your point around uh, individuals not feeling like they now need to sacrifice a degree level qualification in order to do, go on to do an apprenticeship. You know, essentially they get the best of both worlds. Um, it's yes. really compelling, isn't it? Um, and this point around you know the the earn while you earn. You know, we know that university is, is very expensive <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's very difficult to get your you know, first foot on the ladder in terms of housing and that kind of thing as well. So it's, it's, it's quite compelling to be able to earn, not also um, drum up a lot of debt along the way um, and, and end up essentially at the same point um, at the end of it, if not potentially even more equipped, better equipped. Um, within within the legal fir legal firm that they choose or the in-house um, team that they they choose as a result of all that experience that they gain yeah, if you just, along the you way. Just think through the, the, the timelines. So if you're going down the, the traditional route, you do a three-year law degree. Um, you do usually a, a one-year uh, mm -hmm. legal practice course or the SQE equivalent, and then you do a two-year training contract. So that's six years in total. Whereas if you go down an apprenticeship route, then the, the typical journey all the way through from the beginning through to, to taking the SQE at the end is, is also six years. But during that six years, you, you've gained um, six years of, of being in the, the employment of that organisation. You've gained so much more work experience. You haven't had mm -hmm. that same pressure partway through of, of finding your job. And where the the new SQE regime has again made a difference is in it's a real change in, in how um, students, people looking to qualify, need to approach uh, their assessments. Um, you have to be able to recall knowledge you learnt early on in your studies, so perhaps early stages of a law degree like contract law, as well as knowledge you're learning later on, so some of the more advanced principles of, of business law and practice, and bring it all together in this uh, solicitor's qualifying exam. And I think the, the nature of apprenticeship study, where you're studying usually part-time one day a week and you're able to take your learning and apply it straight into the workplace and then take your 
uh, your workplace examples and bring them back into the classroom, that sort of virtuous circle, if you like, that, that learning and, and application, that's, that's really proven to be a, a powerful way to embed these concepts and principles in, um, in apprentices' long-term memory. It's just what you need uh, for, for SQE. So it seems that the apprenticeship mode of studying is something that the, the SRA are very pleased with how apprentices have performed in the first sitting of uh, the SQE. And it, it lends itself naturally to to this new regime, as well as all the, the practice in the, the actual skills in the workplace that you need for the second of these exams, SQE2 as well. So it just fits really nicely with this new assessment regime. Yeah, absolutely. It sort of under, underlines it all, doesn't it? The um, I, I just I do wonder though how aware um, aspiring solicitors are about apprenticeships as, as an option. Do you have a do you have a view on that? This has been something where again it's it's come on leaps and bounds in in the last few years. I think it was when apprenticeships were were first launched in the the legal sector. There's a few outliers, a few individuals happened to find out that these few law firms were um, starting these offers, a bit of an a, an experiment. But now there, there's much more around this in the the legal press and the the careers guidance that you see and careers advisors themselves are far more aware of the the parity of the the apprenticeship route too so certainly we we help law firms and other employers recruit apprentices and we've seen no shortage in terms of the number of applications so i think the awareness is growing and also the the, the people who've been through the apprenticeship route they're very proud of the, the way in which they're, they're qualifying this, this modern way to become a solicitor. And they've been very active on, on social media, promoting the apprenticeship route, telling people what it's like to be an apprentice as well. So again, that's, that's causing a nice, a nice bit of uh, momentum to be gained through this route to, to training and qualification. I agree, actually, also that, you know, as Bruce said, career services are much more clued up now about um, what an apprenticeship is and how it operates and how relevant it is now for school leavers um, and university career services themselves as well insofar as there are graduate apprenticeship programs running that they they understand them a lot better as well and there's lots and lots of information on on um, student websites like not going to university get my first job etc um, that um, is available to students and I think students are being pointed in the right direction now um, and, and in my experience also um, local authorities are very very keen to engage with students at every level to promote um, apprenticeship programs to students so so it's it, word word has got out now really and I, I don't think it's a secret anymore that they are working they're really really popular and they're working oh, fantastic and we'll, we'll obviously add those um, websites and resources to the show notes to this podcast as well um, as, a, as a bit of a follow-up to this podcast um, I mean, just as an aside, I suppose, I mean, parents often have quite an influence in these kind of decisions, especially for school leavers. Um, are, you, are you finding that um, they're also a lot more kind of clued up and supportive? Yeah, in my experience, yes. It, it, it's taken a while. It does take quite a lot of work with schools um, to, to get the message out there. But as I, think, I think we'll start to see that as the apprentices become successful within the law firms that they're working in, um, that feeds through and back to the schools. So I think it's only a matter of time 
Um, and there's been so much in the press as well. And the government's made lots of announcements about it. And it's not it isn't something that's going to go away. You know, I, I often get asked, you know, oh, do you think, you know, this levy will continue? Well, they're not, the government is not likely to pull that because there's a big skills shortage in the country and we need to plug it at all levels, whether they're, you know, it's a professional qualification or, or not. Um, and so I think it's here to stay. Um, and so I, I, I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger, to be honest. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And yeah, like you say, the government are really, really pushing apprenticeships at, at all levels across different sectors as well. Um, what would you say then? Obviously, you know, you you're, you both work um, for BPP, um, a training provider of um, apprenticeships, legal apprenticeships. Uh, what would you say would be or is the role of um, training providers when, when looking at, you know, plugging that skills gap, like you said, Claire, um, you know, looking at the knowledge, looking at even perhaps some of the behaviours that, that firms are, are needing within their businesses just to face into the future that, that, that seems to be ever changing. quite frankly, where training it? providers have to sort of step out and do something a bit different to, to what they've done before, where. You, you might perhaps if you're training someone in relation to a degree you, you're very focused on the assessment at the end of that degree um, so as a training provider we do have a responsibility to help apprentices get ready for this this endpoint assessment the sisters qualifying exam but more than that we have a responsibility to develop these these people into to well-rounded individuals where they've got the the skills and the ability to to thrive in the workplace to give them the development opportunities so they they gain some additional professional skills along the way and networking resilience all these sort of softer skills are alongside what they're doing so it's the the training provider's responsibility to work in tandem with the employer so it's definitely a very much a, a three-way thing working with the employer and the apprentice to make sure they they come out of this this training process as as someone who is very well rounded, has got all the skills they need to thrive in their particular role, and are ready to take the next step onto something else as well. And I think I would also add there, in, just from a BPP perspective, that one of the things we tried to do with all of our programmes is have the right platforms on which all the learning materials and all the experience comes from. So, so we, we, we in effect replicate a, a law firm online so that the students are doing real life activities in order to prepare for workshops and, and, and you know, they could be asked, for example, to draft something, but, you know, they, that is a real life example of what they would do in practice. And we've done that in conjunction with the law firms. So it, it really does go hand in hand with what they're doing on a day to day basis in the workplace. Oh, that's fantastic. So it really just brings it to life completely. And, and when they then hit the ground, um, they 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 uh, familiar with it. Um, and I suppose if you're working hand in hand with the employer as well, then there's an opportunity there to integrate some of those internal processes. Documents Absolutely. And that kind so of thing. there's there's real alignment often between employers and the uh, the training process. So employers will, will have, for instance, their own sort of appraisals and target setting process, and that will sit alongside the progress reviews that that we do with uh, apprentices each term as well. And in terms of a development pathway, employers will look at the uh, the different competencies, the different knowledge, skills, and behaviours that apprentices will develop, and they'll come up with their own training plan to try and identify and match those to to some of the work that the apprentices have got coming up. So it usually dovetails. Very very nicely indeed.
yeah so they're supplementing all the way and and working with them so it's all aligned and so i mean as we're on the subject of of employers i'm sure our listeners would be really interested in your advice around you know what what key things do you think they should be looking out for when choosing an employer um if they're considering uh i think the, apprenticeship? the key thing really is is that employer really committed to an apprenticeship as a way of training so they're not just looking to to do it as a as a way of using the the apprenticeship levy but are they genuinely committed to developing you as an aspiring apprentice into that role have they got a, a plan for for your workplace development have they got a plan for your progression through the business particularly if you're looking at a longer journey a, a six-year journey so what's their plan for the for the first couple of years will they rotate you around some of the other business divisions what about sort of specializing in a team for sort of years three and four and then do they do sort of the equivalent of a, a training contract style rotation in the last couple of seats so have they got a clear plan in mind uh, are they committed to, to supporting and developing apprentices and and i suppose the other thing that i if i were um someone considering undertaking an apprenticeship i think i'd i'd be carefully thinking about how i could best balance um, you know, my time working, so on the job, with the, the study element of the apprenticeship um, and, and, and just trying to kind of make sure that I'm not you know, taking on too much, I suppose, because often um, apprenticeships, you know, they, they're quite hard work, aren't they? I mean, I know that um, any any kind of form of higher education should is there it should stretch you but um what would you say as again a piece of advice this to both of you really claire and bruce um to people that are potentially thinking about apprenticeships and are, are worrying that, about that, that is one of the, the challenges aspect. of an apprenticeship balancing work study and just life in in general um and and different apprenticeships work in in different ways but but generally the way a legal apprenticeship works is that employers will uh, meet their obligation to allow apprentices 20 percent off the job learning time through one study day a week and that is a ring fence study day when the uh, apprentice can get on with the, the reading the preparation they need to do attend their uh, their workshops and, and really sort of switch off from the workplace and switch on to their learning and then they go the other four days of the week they're very focused on on what they're doing at work so they sort of have this this clear demarcation um the the idea of an apprenticeship program is it has to be very conscious that these are busy individuals who have to balance their work and study so there, there's a degree of interplay between them and making the most of what they're doing in the workplace for example in relation to their their coursework assignments so it's not two separate things but it's integrated as far as possible and and helping them be efficient with their time and making uh, as much or as best use as they can of that day they, ha they have available to to dedicate to their their study it's not easy um, in, in many ways, actually, the best people to ask are the, the apprentices who've been successfully juggling these, these different commitments since they, they started the programme. And there's actually a very good SRA webinar uh, where, where apprentices will speak about their experience. And again, on, on Instagram and, and other forms of social media, you'll find lots of apprentices talk about exactly how they manage just this particular thing, the work-life balance issue. I would also I would also add to that that um, I, I think if you we spend a lot of time talking to the employers to make sure they do understand about the off the job training time that the uh, apprentice should 
apprentices should have and we monitor that really closely we do we have to from a regulatory perspective but also we actually want them to succeed and the firms want them to succeed as well so um so we we take that really seriously um but also apprentices have a lot of internal resources so when they're embarking upon this journey they really need to research what resources are available from within the training provider so for example they will have a coach who and that can really work to their benefit to make sure that they're liaising with their coach and making sure they have the linkage between the coach their own supervisor and the work that they're doing and that really help them to overcome any ob obstacles they may otherwise have in for example collating um, any evidence that they may need for their portfolio um, if they have difficulties um, you know perhaps in focusing with time management I would always suggest to a student well don't don't go into the office on you on your day off for study make sure you're either working at home or come into the law school when when they could come into the law school of course pre-covid and, and again they can now uh, come into the law school and work from the law school where it's much quieter and you have access to the library so and, and you know are there any internal networks that you can engage with through your training provider so there's usually a lot of resources available to you within the training provider and I know we offer an awful lot to the students um, and and there's there's there'll be a big network within the firm that they're working with as well so so I would ensure that that's what um, they really engage with early on and not leave it until they get to a crisis point but start as they mean to go on yeah, great advice, great advice. I mean, two things I'm sort of hearing there are, you know, compartmentalise your time as much as you can so that you can get the, the, the best um, output from each element that you're focusing on. But also, like you said, you know, hear, hear people's stories, just really understand from the horse's mouth, those that have experienced apprenticeships um, and what it's like and, and take their advice as well. Um, and, you know, I think employers themselves wrap a lot of pastoral care around apprentices these days as well, don't they? You know, there's, there's a lot of support. There's normally dedicated resource internally, um, and obviously monitoring the progress, but also there just to, to support on a more pastoral human level um, to, to help them strike that right balance as well. Um, I've really, really enjoyed um, talking with you both today. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, I think, you know, it'd be really nice just to finish off um, with, you know, maybe your, your top one or two pieces of advice from each of you that you would offer to anybody uh, thinking I about think for me, uh, it would be a legal firstly, know what you are committing to. Um, that you do need to uh, to be able to to balance work study life in general and that actually you're at the start of what's going to be quite a, a demanding but also a very rewarding professional career and then secondly do it for the right reasons do an apprenticeship because you want to start early in the workplace you want to get early exposure to clients you want to get responsibility at an early stage so so do it with a very deliberate and conscious focus so yeah those would be my two pieces of advice yes and for me it repeats in a way what bruce is saying but in a slightly different context because it's about that decision making process is university right for me or is a job right for me now um, and, the, and there's they're making that decision quite early. So I would always suggest if students can is to get some work experience as early as possible. So they at least get a flavor of what it's like 
either to be a lawyer or to actually be in the workplace um, because um, they need to understand that what they're letting themselves in for really at a very early stage because you know university isn't for everybody a job at an early stage in your life is not right for everybody and I think they need to make an informed decision um, and also really I suppose finally is to say that you know it isn't it, it isn't easy having doing an apprenticeship is not easy it's really hard work and they have to go in from day one knowing understanding that because the work is incremental so you so you so you it's not something you can leave and cram at the end like perhaps you might be able to do with a more traditional university type degree but having said that and from our experience of our own apprentices and um, if they do that they will be hugely successful in their assessments they'll also be really successful and that is acknowledged by the law firms themselves and they will reap the rewards and they'll probably reap the rewards potentially earlier than perhaps a graduate might have done going in at a later stage. Mm. And certainly in terms of um, building the profile within the organisation that they're doing the apprenticeship with um, and, and really knowing inside and out how it works, you know, the amount of time that they spend there and the, the on the job learning, they, they have a, a much better opportunity, don't they, in, in improving themselves along the way there. So, yeah, it's, it's very exciting times in the world of apprenticeships, I think, especially for the, for the legal sector. Um, thank you so much. I really, really have enjoyed speaking to you both today. Um, I think there's been a huge amount of advice and great insight in here as well. And I know Simon's just going to round us off now by um, summarising, you know, his key sort of takeaways. Um, and we'll obviously be putting some notes and some resources up to accompany the, um, the podcast on the show notes to this podcast. And please do also just take a look back at some of our other podcasts that we've um, done on this subject and, and especially the link with the SQE um, and uh, yeah th th there's there's lots of resources out there if you're interested in finding out more but over to you thank Simon, you Kerry yeah and so that. much great stuff in there I could summarize for as long as you guys have been talking so much good stuff so um some key points for me really is that starting with at the most fundamental you know apprenticeship an apprenticeship is a job and a program of study and it's you know it's you, you can access it from after school after uni or as a career change, you know, so at any point in, in your life, you can access apprenticeships. A lot are obviously solicitor and paralegal apprenticeships, but there is a growing number of digital IT finance apprenticeships in the legal sector, because of course, legal law firms are businesses. And there's also business administration, HR, project management apprenticeships within the sector. And you can go right up to graduate and postgraduate level. And they're available not just in law firms, but in local governments. Um, uh, uh, in-house so you know with organizations that have a you know a, a legal team uh, as part of their you know that's not what they do as a core business but they have a legal team so it's in-house roles so all kinds of uh, routes and opportunities when it comes to legal apprenticeships one of the other things that really struck me and I think is, is such a great change that's happened in the sector is that whether you've come through the graduate route or the apprenticeship route you all hit the same endpoint assessment so it really is leveling the playing field and and whichever route you've taken, there is the same end assessment point that, that you all need to, to, to go through. Um, what was also really interesting is, is, is just here understanding more about the role of the apprentice training providers. 
So these are the organizations who actually, you know, deliver the, the knowledge, the skills and, and the behaviors. Um, uh, and they're not just there to obviously get you ready for that final assessment to so do well, um, but they're also there to help you become a well-rounded individual from a professional standpoint, you know, to enable you to thrive in the workplace by developing not just the technical skills, but the soft skills. And that comes about through a partnership between the training provider and the employer and the apprenticeship. So it really is a, a partnership focused on uh, you becoming a great apprentice and, uh, and qualifying as a, at, at the end of it. And when it comes to choosing an employer apprenticeship, I thought this was really interesting as well. Look for those organizations who show genuine commitment to apprenticeships and evidence you want to be looking for is, you know, have they got a really clear plan for what you're going to be doing each year? What is the pastoral kind of personal human support like? Um, how do they help you kind of with that work-life balance uh, that, that goes on and planning your time and what resources and networks do they give you uh, that, that they give you access to? And to, to wrap things up, I guess what comes across really strongly is that uh, for, for some individuals, the apprenticeship really is a golden ticket. Um, but make sure if, if it is, you think it's a golden ticket, you're doing it for the right reasons. And uh, it, it's going to be right for you because it's hard work. It's not an easy qualification to go through. It's really worth it, but it's not easy. So make sure it's for the right reasons. So those are my kind of key takeaways for, from today. So just to wrap things up, a really, really big thank you to Claire and to Bruce and for the insights that you've shared with us all today, and obviously to, to BPP uh, for all the support that you provide to the Reimagine Law team. Uh, and of course, Kerry, a really big thank you to you for hosting today. So thank you all very much indeed. And thank you again for listening. Please join us again for another episode of Reimagine Law.